Hello, you are listening to Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business and life. Uh, I'm your host, Sarah. I'm excited that you're here. Happy 2022, y'all. As I'm recording this, it is the 12th of January, which is a lot later into the month than I thought I was going to be recording this episode. I don't know if the rest of y'all are experiencing this, but I uh, feel like simultaneously it's been a long year (laughs) and also that it's still like the very beginning of January. I feel like both things are true. Um, There are a lot of things that I had in mind to do at the beginning, quote unquote, of the year. And I'm looking up like, holy shit, how is it midway through this month already? Uh, Yeah. So that's what's been going on over here. Um, For those of you who've been around for a little while, I was really focused at the end of the year on the cart close of Master Moon Collective, my year long uh, personal growth program. The doors only open once a year and we start right at the beginning of the month of January. And so all of my focus was on the end of 2021 and getting through that cart close period. And then this year, everyone got a printed book, which I've never done before. So people got a printed book in the mail. So the first week or so of this month was focused on mailing. And um, I have clients who have product-based businesses, but I don't have a product-based business. And just doing shipping for this, you know, handful of products was such a huge endeavor and was so time consuming and kind of overwhelming and very detail oriented work that I have to say my particular brand of squiggly ADHD brain does not do well with. Uh, So it was a lot and I have a very newfound understanding of what my clients are talking about when they have product based businesses and they tell me that a lot of their time and energy gets eaten up in packing and shipping. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, here's my here. Now I'm your coach. If you have a product-based business, hire someone to do packing and shipping for you immediately. You should not be doing that. It is not the best use of your time. Uh, I know that for sure, but it's not the best use of your time. There are lots of things in your business that only you can do, but that is not one of them. So delegate that shit because it takes forever. Uh, So yeah, and then I looked around and it was January 12th and here we are. I've had a podcast episode in mind since the very beginning of the month that I thought I was going to record much earlier. And it's about comparison, especially financial comparison. And I started thinking about this because at the very beginning of the year, if you're in the online business world, you start seeing a lot of people posting revenue numbers. And this is especially true for coaches in the online business space. They start posting, I made $240,000 in my business last year. I made $150,000 in my business last year. I made $500,000. I made a million dollars, right? People are posting what they made in 2021. And these posts are really interesting and they inspire a lot of different types of reactions, but I wanted to share some thoughts that I have about them. The first thing that I want to share is that 
numbers mean nothing without context. And if you listen to the episode I did with my accountant, Orderly Accounting by Katie, uh, at the end of December, I believe, she really gets into talking about how numbers mean nothing without context. But it's really important to consider that if someone made $100,000, but they had a 30% profit margin, and someone else made $50,000, but they had a 70% profit margin, then the person who quote unquote made $50,000 actually made more money than the person who made $100,000. Because if we don't know the profit margin of this business, that revenue number means nothing. We don't know if they're talking about revenue or sales, which is not necessarily the same thing. I made much more in sales last year than I made in revenue because I have people on payment plans where I won't collect the cash on their payment plan until 2022, but I made the sale in 2021. So if I'm counting total sales, that number is much different than the actual cash in the bank. Um, We also don't know what that person is paying themselves. And so to share a little context, technically my business made more in 2021 than it made in 2022, but I gave myself a pay cut, a 10% pay cut. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to do that, but I made the choice to do it because I wanted to invest more in the foundation of my business in 2021. I wanted to bring on more team members. I wanted to hire more help. I wanted to invest more in systems because I was laying the foundation for growth that I plan to do this year in 2022. And so I would have been fine to stay where I was um, financially. I would have been fine to stay where I was living. I I also moved in 2021. Uh, I would have been fine to not take on more help, but I made the decision to raise my business expenses and lower my own pay so that I could invest more back into my business. So while it would be accurate for me to post a number saying that my business made however many thousands of dollars more in 2021 than it did in 2020, sometimes when coaches make these posts, the idea you get, especially if you're in the beginning stages of your business, or you're still kind of in the, in the stage where you're, you're actually like a a freelancer versus a company owner or business owner, which I'll go into a little bit more in a second, but it can give you the impression that the person who is the face of this business is actually pocketing that cash. And that might not really be the case. And in fact, it probably isn't the case. Um, Here's another funny little number exercise. And you can take out a paper and a pen for this one if you want, unless you're driving, in which case, please don't. But let's let's look at this. So if someone made a million dollars, they said, I made a million dollars in my business in 2021. Write this down. They spent $850,000 on ads. And they spent $50,000 on team members for their business and $25,000 on equipment. And then they paid 25%-ish, maybe more in taxes. How much do they have left at the end of the year? Are they in the red or are they in the black? 
So if you didn't figure this out quickly, it's okay, but I'll tell you. They'd have $75,000 left and they would pay taxes on that 75, which means they'd owe around $25,000 in taxes. So they made quote unquote a million dollars, but what they're left with is actually around 50,000. So again, we've got to look at these numbers in this broader context of what the business is like. So when a coach posts and says, I made a million dollars in my business and you as a person just starting out or as a gig worker or freelancer is looking at that number and being like, oh shit, that person made a million dollars. And thinking that what that means is that that individual pocketed a million dollars, that's not really how it works most of the time. And the larger a business is, the more people it's serving, the more complex the business is, guaranteed the more things they're paying for, both in terms of team members, but also software and insurance and taxes and all of these other things that come along with a larger income stream. Your expenses just go up as the complexity of the business goes up. And the reason that I think this is important to point out to anyone who's a gig worker or a freelancer or someone at the beginning stages of their business where you haven't really transitioned out of thinking of yourself as a gig worker or a freelancer yet is that your relationship to making money when you're a gig worker or a freelancer or even an employee is if I do work, I get paid. This is how I thought about it forever, right? Like, especially as a gig worker, if I want to make money, I have to do a gig, which usually requires my physical body to be in the room or there's a job I need to complete. And at the end of that job, I personally get paid. That's different than building a company because a company is a machine that makes money. So it's not that I make money, my company makes money and I get paid by the company. I am one small cog in this larger machine and I do get compensated, but it's less of a direct trade, which is also why sometimes my business is making money, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not there. I might be at the beach. I might be asleep. I might be getting a payment for one thing while I'm working with someone else on something else, because I've been investing my time and effort rather than investing my time and effort straight hour for dollar trade, the way that I did when I was a gig worker or a freelancer. Now I'm spending more of my time on building the machine and sending the machine out to make money for me. So it's a completely different way of working and it's a completely different way of conceiving of making money. I personally don't trade my time for money. I spend a lot of time building this machine and the machine makes money for me. And then the machine pays me, if that makes sense. As we start to shift out of thinking of ourselves as a freelance gig hustler and into thinking of ourselves as the CEO of a company, as the the builder, the master tinkerer on this machine, it causes us to switch around our relationship to understanding how we get paid.
And when I start working with people and I start helping them separate their finances and realize that they should only be taking around 50%, maybe less of their, of their money, right? Whether that's sales or, or cash, that you're only paying yourself half of what you earn because the rest of that money needs to go to taxes and to savings and to become your business money, right? Because I don't pay for business expenses for my personal money. People usually have a big shock because they realize they need to make much more than they thought in order to cover their business expenses. And that's correct most of the time that you do need to make much more than you thought you needed to make because you're not pocketing that cash. It's just not the same as when you have a job and you get paid for your time. So that was one thing that I really wanted us to think about. The next thing that I wanted us to think about, and I say this as someone who has been seduced by um, sales numbers that look sexy, right? I've, I have definitely been seduced into a business coaching program by someone who posted large revenue numbers and a certain lifestyle and gave the impression that they'd really mastered the online business world in a way that allowed them to scale their coaching business um, into the millions but then I got into the program and realized this person didn't know anything about business. This person didn't know anything about coaching. What this person clearly did know was marketing. This person was really good at marketing and really good at a certain type of hardball, high pressure, kind of coercive sales. And that I had gotten suckered into their marketing machine. And so I think it's really important to recognize that we are all brainwashed under capitalism to believe that if someone makes a lot of money at something, that that means they're good at it. And we use how much money make someone makes doing something as a metric for how good they must be at that thing. But I mean, if you feel the way I feel that like sometimes you see certain actors and you're like, how does this person keep getting <laughs> these huge roles in movies? They're terrible. Um, they're making a lot of money and they're not necessarily good at what they do. Um, there are a lot of people who make a lot of money for things that they are not necessarily good at. There are singers who make a lot of money who, uh, if you take away the auto tune, they're not really good at singing but they are a great marketing machine. They are a great vehicle for a record labels marketing machine. And there are a lot of business owners on the internet who are really good at sales and marketing and are not necessarily good at the thing that they're selling. And I know many, many people, again, myself included, who have been suckered into programs by unscrupulous coaches who are not actually even coaches. That's a whole other thing. Um, like they, they have no certifications. They have no training. They have no coaching expertise or experience. And what they're really doing is not coaching. They're just giving people the formula, but not all of it for how they built their business with no concern for whether or not their business model would work for you. Um, they're not hands-on, they're not attentive, they're not helping you discover your own answers, your own solutions, your own genius, your own greatness. They're just giving you a template, which is not what coaching is. And when you get in there and discover that this is not what was promised or it doesn't work for you, 
you realize I'm part of this big revenue number they're boasting. I'm just another sale to them. That's all they're out for. They really don't care whether or not I have a good experience. And I've signed some non-disparagement clause in a contract. So I can't even share with other people that I've had this negative experience without opening myself up to litigation. And that has happened to me. And it's happened to a lot of other people I know who work with coaches. And that's really sad. It's sad for all of us because, um, it makes it scary to invest with a coach because you've been burned before. And it's sad for those of us who are coaches who love coaching and have dedicated a lot of time and money and energy um, to developing our skills as a coach because other people are weary about investing with us because they've been burned before. So it's just freaking sad all around. And that brings me to the next thing is consumer responsibility. It's up to us to be aware of why we're choosing to invest with certain people. And I'm not victim blaming here. Like I said, I too have been seduced by flashy marketing. But sometimes we're looking for something that is not in our own best interest to look for. And that's one of the things I want us to to check in with is are we looking for a coach, right? Someone who can help us unearth our own inherent genius, someone who can embolden us and support us in finding our own answers, or are we looking for someone to give us the right answer? Are we looking for a guru? Are we looking for an easy A? And this is a big thing for us to look at because This is how a lot of us are educated, right? How most of us are educated. We're not educated in school uh, to experiment or to rely on our inner knowing. We're educated to memorize and replicate. We're educated to get the right, quote unquote, the right answer and to spit facts back and to be afraid of doing things wrong And that if we do things wrong, we'll be punished or we'll be ridiculed or something bad will happen if we're wrong. Very binary, right? There's a right answer and a wrong answer. And so sometimes we might be out here looking for someone to just give us the right answer so that we can avoid making mistakes, so that we can avoid risk or at least minimize risk. If someone could just swoop in like a fairy godmother and give you the exact blueprint formula solution for how to build your business, that's what we're looking for. We're like, just tell me the right answer. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I parallel this to the fitness industry, which we also see going crazy at this time of year. Every guru in the fitness industry is out here selling you that they have the one best right way to change your body. And people get sucked into that, right? They're like, oh yeah, I'm going to pay this person. They're going to give me this exercise plan, this meal plan, this one best right answer, and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get the results that they have. But doing what that person did doesn't guarantee you the same results as them. And we deep down kind of know that, but the industry, especially the diet industry, which is nefarious and weird, has this built-in mechanism where if you don't get the promised results, it's your fault. 
And it just means that either you must not have followed it perfectly enough, or this is not the one best right way for you, but the one best right way is out there and you need to just try something else and keep trying something else, which is why 90% of diets fail and why people keep buying diet products and trying different things over and over and over again. If any other industry had as low a success rate as the diet industry, it wouldn't exist anymore. And the coaching industry is starting to be like that in a lot of ways that are really scary to me as someone who's been in both industries. Um, The coaching industry is starting to be like that. I'm going to sell you the one best right way. And if it doesn't work for you and you don't get the promised results, then maybe your mindset wasn't right. Or maybe you just didn't believe it enough. Or maybe you're, maybe you just have a scarcity mentality. And, you know, I'm I'm making fun of things that I talk about, right? I talk about law of attraction. I talk about scarcity mentality. I talk about how important it it is to have a fundamental belief in yourself. And all of those things are true. It's not an either or, it is a both and. Um, But the other part of that both and is, Is the person selling you a system that wasn't designed to work in the first place? Is that person selling you something that will work or is they, are they selling you like, here's what I did, try it and see if it works for you. And I don't know. And here's the thing when someone is selling you something that will work, um, it's not sexy because the thing that will work is you're going to have to figure out what works for you. That's the thing that will work. The thing that will work is deep introspection, shadow work, trial and error, figuring out what really works for you, and then being consistent for the long term. That is the same as me saying the thing that really works in terms of taking care of your body is eating a mostly healthy, moderate, balanced, nutritional fair of foods that you're not allergic to and moving around and drinking water as much as you can, right? Like, and getting good sleep. Like it's not sexy. The answer is not sexy. The answer isn't that there's a flashy program that's going to give you miracle results in a short amount of time. And so when I'm talking about consumer responsibility, what I'm really talking about is owning when we're looking for a miracle, owning when we're looking for someone to sell us and a pipe dream that we want to buy into the idea that someone's going to give us a shortcut that allows us to skip the introspection, that allows us to skip learning business concepts in a deep foundational fundamental way, applying them to ourselves, and then going through a period of trial and error while we figure out what works for us and what doesn't. And some of that is because we're not just afraid to make mistakes. That's part of it. We're afraid to be seen making mistakes in public. That's really more of it. If we could make these mistakes completely privately, many of us would be more open to it. But the idea that you're going to have to make a mistake in public, that you're going to have to be seen doing something quote unquote wrong, that you're going to, we want to avoid making the wrong choice. What if I get this software and it turns out to not be the right software? What if I launch this product and it turns out that it's not the right product for my audience? We want to avoid trial and error and we want to just get to the right answer. That is the shadow work that a lot of us have to do in 
pushing ourselves past our comfort zone in our career, whether that's starting a business, whether that's going out to a bunch of auditions as a creative, whether that's submitting your writing to a bunch of publishers or to magazines, we want to avoid hear no and be wrong and try some things that don't work um, because we're afraid it's going to hurt because we're afraid we'll be judged um, I always talk about how all fears are, are really fear of crap, right? So criticism, rejection, abandonment, punishment. If we are seen being wrong, if we are seen offering one thing and then later we offer something else, are we going to look indecisive? Are we going to look like we don't know what we're doing? We're afraid to be seen being beginners at things. And so sometimes what we are looking for is someone to sell us something that is too good to be true whether that is a fitness program that promises insane results in just six short weeks or an insane business coaching program that promises you that you're going to make a million dollars in just six short weeks. Are we looking for something that is unlikely to be true? And if so, why are we trying to take a shortcut? I mentioned earlier that I didn't have to take a pay cut last year and spend the year working on the foundations of my business so that this year I could be focused on growth. And yesterday I saw a post, I forget who it was by, unfortunately, where someone was calling out six-figure business owners and saying, hey, just because you hit six figures doesn't mean you need to launch a course, which is a very common thing that happens for people who get to a certain point in their business is they need to make a passive income product. And you may have noticed I transitioned elemental entrepreneurship into being a course. And what that person said in their caption was that they felt pressured to make a course because it's what you're supposed to do, quote unquote, at that stage in their business. But they did not have the foundations in place to handle the type of growth that came with that business step. They didn't have the customer support foundations in place. They didn't have the payment processing foundations in place. They didn't have the personal and emotional foundations in place to support what they were doing. And so they ended up closing the course and dialing it back and going back to the drawing board and focusing back in on the foundations of their business. And I found it really gratifying to read that because it reassured me that I was doing things in the right order, that my patience in investing in the foundations before I focused on the growth was the right thing to do. And sometimes we're so destination focused, we want to jump to the end without realizing that if you were to do that, you would have skipped the part where you learned the skills required to maintain being there. We want to get to the top of the mountain without having to climb, but the climb is where you build the strength and the stamina to sustain being at the top. The climb is where you slowly acclimate to the pressure uh, in your head and in your lungs to the altitude. If you're not doing it gradually, you're not building the broad base of nervous system support required to be there. We want to just get there. But the journey is where we build all of the skills we'll need to stay. And so sometimes, and I've seen this happen with a lot of people, their business grows too large, too fast, and then they can't sustain it or they end up letting a lot of people down, which if you think about it, might be much more embarrassing than being seen building a slow, steady foundation. 
if you've seen things that talk about how the scientific practice, which I think is also the magical <laughs> practice, is really just fuck around and find out, uh, so is business. A lot of it is fuck around and find out. You're not going to be able to avoid doing some research, picking a piece of software for something like, say, your mail server, and then deciding that you don't like that piece of software and having to change it. You're not going to be able to avoid doing some research and choosing one platform that's going to host your courses. And then after a while, deciding it doesn't actually serve you and having to change it. Like this is a normal part of business. And the only way you're going to find out whether or not something is right for you is by trying it for a little while. That's part of the process. That is the fuck around part of fuck around and find out. And a lot of people are avoiding the fuck around because they don't want to find out that the answer is no, this doesn't work for me, or no, I don't like doing this, or no, my customers don't respond to this. We're so afraid of the answer being no that we end up not doing anything or we end up getting seduced into promises that are too good to be true, promises that are unrealistic. Um, Or we spend a lot of time, we waste a lot of time trying to implement other people's formulas only to find out that those other people's formulas don't work for us. And we're right back where we were at the beginning which is that we need to look at ourselves and figure out what really works for us. There's a self-knowledge process and your business is like any other relationship in your life. It is a mirror for your stuff. It helps you figure out how do I work? What type of work is best for me? What types of relationships do I want to have with people? How do I want to show up to this process? What stops me? What blocks me? What triggers me? How do I address those things? How do I grow so that I can have better outcomes? We can't skip that part. That part is crucial. That part is the work. Stop trying to skip the fuck around. (laughs) You can't skip the fuck around. It's the moral of this episode. You can't skip the fuck around. Um, okay. I've said a lot of things, but let me see if I can recap. Number one, don't get seduced by people's big revenue numbers because a, those numbers mean nothing without context. B, those numbers only mean they're good at marketing and sales. They don't necessarily mean that that person is a good coach and C, if that person is making a lot of money because they're promising that they're going to sell you the one best right formula that worked for them, look at yourself. And ask yourself, am I looking for a coach or am I looking for a guru? Am I looking for someone who can help teach me the skills and the concepts I need to know, but also empower me to make my own decisions? Or am I looking for someone to just give me the right answer so that I can get a head pat and an A and be told I'm good? Look, I have a praise kink. I get it. Tell me I'm good. (laughs) I like it. I want to hear it. Uh, But yeah, we can't avoid the unglamorous, unsexy, moderate, long, (laughs) consistent, trial and error based work of building something that is authentically our own. And what works for one person may not necessarily work for the next. And that's how it should be which is why you need an actual coach. So let me just, uh, let me wrap on this then. If you are looking for a coach, um, 
look at their certifications and I have mixed feelings about this because I know that certification in general is gatekeepery and in some ways upholds oppressive systems and not, but, and coaching is kind of in this wild West right now because it's such an unregulated industry and there's nothing stopping anyone on the internet from just deciding that they're a coach of something and saying that they are without recognizing that coaching is a skill set that requires training. Um, to me, it's a lot like saying you're a therapist if you have no, you haven't gone to school for therapy. There is a lot that goes into coaching um, that's very sensitive and very delicate because you are being trained to be as objective as possible and to work with a really broad range of people and problems and to help people navigate through challenging conversations. Um, so especially looking at whether or not someone is trauma-informed and what trainings they've done to be trauma-informed, if they don't have that information on their website, ask them. And it's okay to ask these questions. You can totally decide to work with an uncertified coach, but I would ask what other types of education they've gotten and what training they've had around working with other people, especially if you are someone who's going to come into the work with some trauma stuff that you're dealing with, which, you know, most of us are, um, coaching should be a little bit confronting. So how does this person deal with it when you feel confronted? That's a really important thing to know. If this is a business coach, I would ask what their business model is. And I would ask what types of business models their clients have. I would look for testimonials and then follow the names of the people and the businesses who gave those testimonials and make sure those people are still in business because I've definitely gotten seduced into coaches promotions. But then when I tried to go find the people on their website, those businesses weren't there anymore. Those Instagrams weren't there anymore. That person was not in business anymore. And so make sure that those testimonials are from people who are getting results that you would like to see replicated. If someone's giving testimonials and you follow those links and those people are there, ask them, shoot them a DM and be like, Hey, I hope it's okay that I'm asking you this, but I'm considering signing up with such and such coach. And I was wondering if you would be open to talking with me a little bit about your experience and working with them. I'm just doing a little research, doing some due diligence before I give this person my money and talk to some people who've worked with them before. Um, ask the coach what kinds of business models their clients have. And if all of their clients have the exact same business model as them, that's something I'd be weary of if that's not the business model you want. If that is the business model you want and that's something they specialize in, great. But if all of their clients have the same business model and that's not the business model you want, they may not be able to help you. Ask them about their core values and their beliefs. Ask them their philosophy about coaching. These are important things for you to know. And it's not different to me than finding the right therapist. I always feel like if you're looking for a therapist, you might have to date for a little while, right? You might have to go and sit through several first therapy sessions or like, you know, kind of getting to know you calls with different therapists before you find one that you feel is the right fit for you. And you should do that because it's a really intimate relationship. And I believe that the same thing is true with coaching. You may look through a good number of people before you decide that the person that you're in front of is the right person to help you. And you get to take complete ownership for that. And you get to decide 
um, before you invest money with a coach, if you really believe that this is the right person and you really believe that this is the person who can help you in particular. Also, I think be wary of people who are really just charging for the experience of being their friend. Cause I think that we're seeing a lot of that in the coaching industry is that you're paying a lot of money to quote unquote, be in someone's energy, right? It's just the vibe. Like I don't need to pay money for high vibe friends. Like that's a little weird. Um, if I'm going to pay you a lot of money, it's because I believe that you're going to help me in a profound way, get to where I'm going. Um, not because I just want to hang out with you. Um, and there's going to need to be some skills, some training, some credentials, something that you come to the table with that lets me know that you have the skill set and the information that I need, um, rather than just that, like, you're cool, right? It's just, just be in my energy. Like, what is that shit? Like, please don't pay me just to be in my energy. Like, I'm really cool. But unless you're my sugar daddy, please don't pay me just to be in my energy. If you're interested in a sugaring arrangement, that's different. Like, I have a separate email address for that. Just kidding. I don't. It's my regular email address. <laughs> uh, okay. It's gone off the rails if I'm talking about sugaring. But, you know, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, I guess all that being said, I will say <laughs> that I have three spots available right now for one-on-one -on -one coaching in 2022. I have three clients who are ending their time with me. And so I have some space available, which doesn't happen that often. So if you are looking for a coaching relationship in 2022 to help you build your company or uh, I also do just straight up life coaching. Uh, so we can talk about that. Um, that is something that I have some space for, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but also, if you're just looking for a coach and you're concerned, you're looking at someone and you mm, have reservations or something, some alarm bells, and you want to check in with somebody about that, I'm down for that. You can DM me and I'll talk to you. Um, I have some space available for elemental coaching days. Uh, so it's a good time at the top of the year if you wanted to do a day and focus in on your 2022 needs and goals and plans. And those days come with two weeks of document support and chat, Voxer chat follow up. Um, that's something that I have available and I'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. So, you know, top of the year, let's be discerning with our consumption of all material on the internet. Let's be aware of when we're looking for someone to just give us the right answer. Let's be aware of when we're avoiding the fuck around part because we're afraid to find out an answer is no. Let's give ourselves more grace and more space. Let's ex encourage experimentation and play. Let's uh, encourage ourselves to be beginners at things over and over and over again, even things we've been doing a long time because there's always more to learn. And uh, let's watch out for comparison and getting sucked in and seduced by glitz and glamour because all oh, that glitters ain't gold in these internet streets. Sometimes it's just a filter.
That's what I have for us today. All right, I'm out. Uh, happy New Year. Happy 2022. Looking forward to talking to you a lot more soon. Okay, love you. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you, as always, for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.